What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Ooh, Bosco's boys. Come on, boys. Boom, the boys are back, and it is time for another episode of... Bosco's boys, the longest, consistent, never missed a week. Every Monday there is a show that I know about. Uh, as always, we are sponsored by Manhattan Brewing Company. The event I'm going to talk about here for the next couple weeks is honestly something that sounds like an absolute blast. On February 21st, they are going to have the biggest and best Fat Tuesday celebration all of Manhattan, Kansas. On Fat Tuesday, the 21st, uh, Manhattan Brewing Company, as, long, as well as Little Batch Company, are going to have an amazing time. There's going to be crawfish, gumbo, king cake, and more. They will have hurricanes and Sazeracs at their bar all their signature cocktails, as well as a special keg of Hurricane Sour. So if you are in the mood to celebrate Fat Tuesday, get over to Manhattan Brewing Company on February 21st. Honestly, that sounds like one of the most fun events, uh, maybe in all of Manhattan for all of February. Uh, let's get right into it, uh, because, you know, I, I, I think that this game specifically versus Texas, and, and I'll harken back a little bit to that game versus KU midweek, uh, I, I think it really was a turning point for K-State basketball in the Jerome Tang era, and maybe not for the reason why I think um, it might seem like on the surface. First and foremost, and uh, you know, you, you almost feel like you have to say this, Anytime uh, following a loss, anytime that it isn't going to be just a 100% cheerleading type episode. And uh, and I'm going to get into why I think this is a, a moment where things change with K-State fans after I kind of give this disclaimer. And hopefully, moving forward, I won't feel the need to do it. K-State basketball is going to go back to the NCAA tournament for the first time uh you know, since the 2019 tournament, uh, we, we have not been an NCAA tournament team for the last three years, and things are awesome. Things have exceeded our expectations, and Jerome Tang did, uh, you know, he elevated K-State 
far before beyond what I think most folks thought was possible in year one. They were picked to finish last in the Big 12, uh, and no one really was giving K-State much of a shot really at even being a tournament team if you look back at bracketology until uh, you know they, they started on that tear in Big 12 play. This is why, uh, and I'm starting with this uh, because I think it shapes how I talk about uh, things for rest of the entire episode. When Jerome Tang and K-State beat KU at home a few weeks ago, he stood on the table and said, okay, it is now time to expect to win. And I, I truly think that it is time that K-State fans truly mean that and truly accept that statement uh, no, no matter who we're playing and even if we lose. You know, it's, it's fun to beat your chest and say that, you know, when, when you win the games. Hey, yeah, we expect to win. It's a new year, all that type of stuff. Um, but with what happened on Texas – uh, uh, you know, at home, I feel like I have seen something very interesting amongst the K-State fan base. Now, Jerome Tang, Marquise Noel, Keontae Johnson, the guys who are the leaders of this team when they were amongst the media, they were pissed off. They were angry. I've never seen Jerome Tang uh, in any setting not have a smile and he didn't smile, he didn't joke, he didn't laugh. There was nothing good about anything that came out of his mouth or his body language or anything uh, in his post-game uh, media availability, uh, not just with you know the media at his press conference, uh, but with Stan and Wyatt. He was pissed off. He was angry. And I think it is, it is fine for K-State fans to be in that position. I, I think it is more than fine at this point uh, for K-State fans to look back at that game and be angry. Within reason, of course. At the end of the day, this is sports. We are fanatics and you know fans. It's short for fanatics for a reason. All that type of stuff. I, I'm not telling you to go break stuff or anything like that. You, know, you have to keep everything in the scope of, okay, we're talking about college sports. But I think it is more than fair at this point to be pissed off, to be angry, to be sport sad, to and, and again, melt down a little bit on Twitter, all that type of stuff. I think it is perfectly fine for K-State fans to have that reaction after that game versus Texas. And I'm a little surprised by some folks out there just deciding Nope, what are you guys doing? You're all acting stupid for being frustrated about this. You know, things were elevated. Coach Tang continued to challenge and poke and prod the fan base into believing in the team, buying into the team, and expecting to win every game, especially every game in Bramlage Coliseum. Now, for that game to have gone the way it did, and we'll talk about it here in a second, I think it is more than fair after fans have answered the call to be frustrated, to be mad, to get a little angry 
with the result of that game. So I, I, I'm a little surprised to have seen so many folks out there trying to be like, oh, keep in mind, we, 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 we were picked to finish last. Oh, why? what are you melting down for? We're going back to the tournament. It's not like we're going to the NIT. Oh, Texas is a top 10 team. They're the most talented team in the Big 12. Making excuses for what was a monumental, frustrating loss that should have pissed off every single fan. Jerome Tang was sitting in his press availability saying that he's pissed off. He doesn't want this to watch away. He wants the players to be pissed off, and they want to remember this feeling. I think it is more than fair for fans to have that let down, kind of mad uh, emotion surrounding that missed opportunity. And, and I, I, I just think it is I, I think it's almost comical to see the way some folks are just trying to uh, flip this on, on, on its head. You know, if we're going to expect to win, if we are going to, you know, say any game in Bramlage is one we should win, if we want to talk about elevating, if we want to talk about contending for the Big 12, talk about having a top four seed in the NCAA tournament, changing these expectations, buying into what Jerome Tang has asked of the fan base, more than just when it is easy, more than when it's just fun, I think it is more than fair to be very frustrated with what happened on Saturday. Let's talk a little bit more about the game on Saturday. And I'm going to try to, you know, start with the the good first. Um, I mean, because there's going to be bad to talk about with Keontae Johnson, but seeing what he was able to do uh, scoring efficiency-wise – uh, was really something great uh, because he finally kind of got back, and I think it's the first time in a while. And again, he's scoring. I, I think the lowest he's scored at K State so far has been twelve points this season. Um, but he was able to finally get back to being efficient doing it. Six of ten from the field, two of three from three. Uh, got to the f- free throw line four times, but was only two of four there. That wasn't great. But Keontae Johnson was able to get back to getting that scoring ability. And he was able to do it on, you know, six shots. He was able to get the 16 points on six shots. Then he only turned the ball over once. Uh, Keontae, I believe, is number two on the team in turnovers. And, yes, some of it had to do with, and we'll get to the bad here in a second, uh, but only playing 25 minutes. Uh, Look at this. For... Uh, again, another positive because because I'll be harping on some of the negatives. Uh, Jerome Tang was able to masterfully, and this is maybe one of the things I think Jerome Tang does uh, his best when guys are in foul trouble, especially Keontae Johnson, uh, Naquan Tomlin, but mainly Keontae Johnson. Sadly, it's happening more than it should. He is masterful in getting offense for defense, uh, you know, switches for a guy who had two fouls in the first like 90 seconds and picking up his third foul uh, in the first half. Uh, the fact that he was still able to play 25 minutes was awesome. The other uh, thing was Desi Sills. Uh, four of six from the field, one of two from three, uh, two of four from the free throw line. Uh, he had three assists tied for the lead in assists, only one turnover, 11 points, 
five rebounds, uh, so uh, tied for second on the team in rebounds, uh, in 34 minutes. With both of those guys, Desi Sills and Keontae Johnson, uh, it's always easy to say this, especially since both of them have not been very efficient, and uh, Desi Sills has was straight up in a slump uh, the last handful of games, basically since he went off versus KU. It's easy to say, oh, I wish they would have been more aggressive, but um, Desi Sills especially, he was really the only guy who could get it going consistently on offense except for Keontae Johnson. Um, so those are the good things at the individual player performances. Um, from the team performance as a whole, when Keontae Johnson has a half where he misses a ton of time, had three, three fouls in the first half, and they were still able to get a lead up to 14 in the first half versus Texas, uh, that was awesome. The crowd was absolutely stellar. Uh, it, it was a night that until, and we're, we're about to get to the bad, but the, it was a point where very, very late in the first half, I'm thinking to myself, oh man, uh, this could be an absolute statement game. Uh, and let's just start getting to the bad. Um, you're up by 14. Tyke Green only playing one minute. Uh, fouls a three-point shooter with less than half a second on the clock. Uh, they hit those three free throws, and momentum uh, completely turned on its head. Um, and there was something – I don't want to say the atmosphere got deflated because it didn't, but you could feel almost a collective like punch in the gut uh, when Tyke Green made that foul. Uh, it, it, it was a horrible foul. It was unneeded, and it, it truly was the kickoff uh, to what would become the biggest collapse in the Jerome Tang era. Again, luckily, you know, this is what? Only our fifth total loss, uh, first loss at home. Uh, while, you know, again, expect to win. We're able to have these uh, strong emotions, these strong feelings, because we have elevated. We, we, we went from hoping we'd be on the bubble to expecting to win, expecting to compete, expecting to be a Big 12 contender, uh, you know, in the matter of two months. Uh, but, but you felt this gut punch uh, and, and what was a very good crowd, probably the second or third best crowd of the year so far. And uh, everything was a collapse from there. K-State went from being up 14 to being down six and gave next to no true uh, resistance to that. I, I, I'm very disappointed by the lack of uh, maturity or composure, whatever word you want to use in that second half. Um, Texas came out, they hit the ground running. It seemed like it took K-State you know, two full minutes to actually like, oh, okay, I guess the half right up there with uh, the first half in Allen Fieldhouse for uh, just a calamity of a half. You know, and doing it at home when you when you have that emotional uh, boost and you know that sixth man behind you, uh, that that's what's made this so tough to swallow. Um, it's the first two-game losing streak uh, under Jerome Tang. 
We are 0-3 in our last uh, three Big 12 games. And again, you start to, when you lose the games, you start to kind of question how and why uh, decisions are made. Um, uh, Jerome Tang, uh, I mean, I, I don't think he used a timeout uh, in, in the second half as uh, Texas, you know, goes on like a, what, 24 to 8 run at one point. Um, doesn't use any of the timeouts. Um, and just kind of you, you question, you know, why certain personnel decisions were made, why certain things were discussed, why other things weren't changed. Uh, and, and when you end up losing a game by three in a game where you were up by 14 with half a second left in the first half, um, you, you'll drive yourself crazy looking at, uh, you know, the, the what ifs. And you can't help but feel like you let one get past you. Um, when you look at the game Marquise Noel had, who is this uh at the beginning of Big 12 play, this larger-than-life figure out on the court. Um, and really, since he got shut down versus TCU on the road, he really hasn't had any game that I would, uh, you know, grade out as uh, good. I mean, he's had a couple, uh, you know, above-average games for Marquise Noel. Um, but quite frankly, I, I think he was a liability at uh, multiple times yesterday, not only on the offensive side of the floor, uh, but on defense as well. Um, he, he, he was not playing good defense. He was not playing with any sort of uh, composure. Uh, he was turning the ball over like crazy. I mean, he ended up with 10 points. Yes. And and credit where credit's due, he hit a couple big two-point jump shots down the stretch. But Marquise Noel was 4 of 11 from the field, 0 of 5 from 3, only got to the free throw line twice. Uh, credit where credit's due, he led the team in reboundings with 6, but only one steal, turned the ball over 6 times, and only dished out 3 assists. And he he, he did all of this while playing 38 minutes. Now... You know, Desi Sills played, what, 31 minutes? 34 minutes. Uh, but I just have a hard time understanding why Cam Carter ended up only playing 22 minutes. Yes, Cam Carter did not have a good game as well. He had four turnovers. He was turning the ball over like crazy as well. But at least he was, you know, he went two of three from the field and one of, uh, and hit his one three point shot. I, I I just have a hard time sitting back and watching, you know, that game from Marquise Noel and, and looking at how he's been playing over the last few weeks, some of the decisions he's been making, uh, and saying, yeah, you know, twenty two minutes for Cam. In 38 for Marquise makes sense. I I just had a hard time um, watching things down the stretch, and uh, especially that th those last sequences where uh, you know Marquise just gets swatted away at the rim. Uh, we get a second bite at the apple, 
and uh, you know he he gets the ball taken away from him again. Get on that layup. He's contorting his body, trying to go away from contact instead of trying to press the issue um, and get to the free throw line. And again, in a game where they're calling all sorts of fouls, you know, in a game where we got to the free throw line 20 times, they got to the free throw line 24 times. The fact that Marquise Noel only got to the lane twice is really telling. In countless times, He's attacking the rim and instead of trying to go up, get something on the backboard, make one of his circus layups, which he's capable of, or get contact, get to the free throw line, any of that. He just throws it away, you know, amongst the trees to absolutely nobody. It, it was just a puzzling game. And, and I feel like we've seen a few games from Marquise Noel uh, where you sit back and say, man, was that one of the worst of his career? And when he has taken up the mantle, when he talks about wanting to be the guy who leads that change and leads the the way to K-State, you know, getting another trophy, cutting down nets, all that type of stuff, um, it's tough to swallow a, a game like that. Um, getting back to the bad, also, look, Keontae Johnson, uh, again, he plays, played very efficiently. Played very efficiently. Uh, but, but the guy got two fouls called on him, uh, you know, in 90 seconds for the second straight game. Um, folks can harp on officiating all they want, but Keontae Johnson, I mean, what, we, we've played, what, 10 games in Big 12 play now? You, you know you know how the referees call the games. You know, this isn't a surprise to anyone. You know, we, we've played 10 games. You know how the officials are calling things. Um, again, people can get mad all they want at officiating. And, uh, you know, Jerome Tang even, you know, was kind of complaining a little bit about it with standing wide after the game. But look, that's the way Big 12 referees call it. That's how college basketball is. You can talk about being, uh, you know, it, you know, inconsistent. You can, you can say whatever you want, but... Keontae put himself in that situation twice, you know, uh, immediately. You know, even Marquise was putting himself in stupid situations uh, where he knew exactly what he was doing. You know, he lowered his shoulder into the guy's chest uh, for a moving screen violation. You know, when we have the ball trying to take the lead back. It it was, it was a lot of stupid decisions. Keontae put himself uh, in this situation in 90 seconds once again. And the entire team continued to uh, find themselves, you know, allowing the referees to make these calls. You know, and again, yes, there, there were some really bad calls. That There were some, uh, I, I feel like Keontae never gets a superstar treatment. I think he's getting banged on almost any time. Uh, he takes the ball, doesn't get called, the missed goaltend, all that type of stuff. I get it. But you have to take some ownership and realize that, hey, look, if Texas is going to force the issue and force the referees to call these charges, or hey, they're going to attack the rim and get themselves to the to the charity stripe, you got to be doing the same thing. The other thing, and as much as I like Ish Masood and you know the whole Big Twelve Ish persona, uh, the guy chucked up nine shots in thirteen minutes, going one of nine from the field, one of six from three. And again, I, I like that Ish 
you know, had that nice little run. But since the Iowa State game, one of five versus Florida, one of three versus KU, one of nine versus Texas, and you're running a bunch of these ISO plays for him. And and again, I, I I'm so I, I'm happy he had those moments. But two of three versus KU, five of six versus Tech, four of six versus Iowa State. Yes, great. But again. 2 of 7 versus TCU, 2 of 7 versus Oklahoma State, 3 of 4 versus Baylor, 0 of 4 the first time we played Texas, 2 of 5 when we played West Virginia. Again, I I like that. I'm so happy that he had that three-game stretch, but the guy shot nine times in 13 minutes. Nine times. You know, you, you look at the box score... And he had nine shot attempts. The only people who had more, Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson. You can't allow that to happen. If you're drawing it up, you know, all the props to Jerome Tang for, you know, empowering him, all this type of stuff. But at what point do you say, okay, Ish just doesn't have it? That's nine shots, including the possible shot that could have taken us to overtime. Um, Too many. I mean, again... In such a close game, you can point to all these small little factors and all of them just become more and more maddening, more and more frustrating. But you can't help but just see that one of nine and just kind of shake your head. In 13 minutes, nine shots. Just, that's tough. And then ultimately, the last thing from the game that I'm I'm, I'm really going to harp on is they continue uh, to just not be able to get stops down low uh, where it counts. Uh, you know, Christian Bishop, you know, basically a role player. What, 26 minutes? 26 minutes, 6 of 11 from the, from the field. Just absolutely ate us up. He sends Sir J- or uh, Sir Jabari Rice, Sir Jabari Rice. I think I'm saying that right. You send him to the free throw line nine times, playing in 18 minutes, just fouling guys, just giving up the paint, giving up everything in the paint. Um, it just absolutely kills you. And a game where you hold Marcus Carr to 0 of five. From three in a game, you're up 14 with half a second left in the first half. You know, if if you if you get rid of Sir Jabari Price, who went two of four from three, you know they hit two out of 12. They were two of 12 outside that one guy. You know, said send Timmy Allen to the free throw line eight times. You know, Tomlin got there four times. Keontae got there four times. Egiola, Sills got there four times. Uh, but but the one guy who's supposed to be able to get you free throws when they're calling games like that, Marquise Noel, only gets there twice. Just a just a overall insanely disappointing game. And, and here's the other thing. Here, here's the other piece of it. When, when you start looking, and, and we all started talking about it. I started talking about it. You know, I, I had these... Uh, benchmarks for us to start talking about being in the Big 12 title race. We hit them, and then uh, from that moment, you know, 0 of 3. 0 and 3 in Big 12 play. 
And uh, even going 0-3 in Big 12 play, we are still sitting in a position where you beat Texas and you're tied with them and Iowa State at the top. Now you find yourself... Actually, no. It would just be us and Texas. No, no, no. No, I'm a liar. Us, Texas, and Iowa State. Um, now you're sitting two games back and you find yourself in a situation where... where you blew, I'm not going to say you blew the Iowa State game, but that was one you should have had. Um, and you played like dog shit versus KU on the road. It is what it is. But you finally get back home. And the the hottest team in the Big 12, you had them on the ropes and you could not finish the job. And not only could you not finish the job, uh, you found yourself on the ropes just six minutes later. Um, no... The, the, the world is not ending. No, we're not going to the NIT. No, we're not even on the bubble. K-State could probably go one in seven down the stretch and we would be dancing. You know, K-State is going back to the tournament. But in a league that is this tough, uh, when you find yourselves in position to try to take advantage of those types of games to keep yourself in that Big 12 title race truly in the thick of it instead of now being two games back with eight to play um you know it's it's a tough pill to swallow it's a very tough pill to swallow now luckily and and again uh, as i had some back and forth with some folks on twitter who kind of uh again I, i i i think it's again very interesting that so many folks you know want to do the whole expect to win you know, this is our house, all that rah-rah stuff, but the second you lose a game versus a top-10 team up by 14 on your home court, uh, you know, they switch their script a little bit. Um, but you, you have a big one versus TCU, you know, at home. You still have Iowa State at home, and then you have uh, and, and you have Baylor at home, and then you have two versus Oklahoma you go to Oklahoma State, to Texas Tech, to, to West Virginia. Again, for as tough as the Big 12 is, uh, you have a favorable run-in down the stretch. If KU beats Texas uh, in Allen Fieldhouse on Monday, K-State beats TCU at home on Tuesday, yeah, you're back to being uh, just a game back of uh, Texas and Iowa State depending on what goes on with Iowa State, um, going into the Saturday games. Yes, it, it can all flip on its head very quickly. Uh, but but you can't help but think that you threw away a golden opportunity to find yourself you know, going into the final eight in a tie for first instead of back two games. Um, and, and that's just the frustrating part of this game. Now looking forward to that TCU game, Again, you don't. We don't know if Eddie Lampkin or Mike Miles Jr. are going to play in that game. Those are the two dudes, along with Ba, who really gave us fits. And Miller, uh, I mean, they had a great, great, great game versus us. Uh, it wasn't. I mean, it was those four guys. Ba Miller will be playing. We'll see if Lampkin or Miles Jr.'s uh, bouncing back. But but you have to really look to how Jerome Tang sets this team up. How Marquise Noel plays. Can Keontae Johnson? get past this stupid little, uh, I'm going to foul, you know, twice in the first two minutes habit he's found himself into. You know, this can be the ultimate sort of bounce back game. 
And again, I'm not above. I'm not above. You know, I know there's so so many people out there who are like, oh, I want to play. You know, the best version of every team. No, I want Eddie Lampkin and Mike Miles Jr. to come back and be at full strength on February eighth. I don't want to see them on the seventh. I don't want to see. I don't want to play against them. I don't care how the win comes. I want K State to beat TCU, then find themselves going to Lubbock, Texas on a Saturday night on ESPN Plus. By the way, the TCU game will be on ESPN three. But I, I want to go to Texas Tech and set yourself up to say, "Hey, look!" And and, and don't be surprised when you're not favored in that game. Uh, despite Texas Tech's record, you know, uh, I, I think Ken Palm has us losing the game. The ESPN Power Index has us losing that game. doesn't matter. But go into that game in that this next two-game stretch where it's Texas Tech and Oklahoma, two road games, and then if you can find yourself winning those two games, who knows where you could be sitting uh, when, when you then have the home games versus Iowa State and Baylor. You know, this next three-game stretch is going to tell us whether or not we still will have a Big 12 championship on the table worth playing for down the final five. So they're absolutely massive. Uh, you know, uh, you know, you had all those turnovers versus TCU. You had horrible uh, paint presence. You had horrible defensive rebounding. Again, things that have not been fixed. Since we played TCU, they have not been fixed. These are still massive, massive problems. But can you fight through things, despite those problems, to get a win in what hopefully will be another sellout crowd? I think there's like 500 tickets left. You know, it, it, it will it will determine whether or not down the stretch, if we are playing for uh, a Big 12 banner or just seeding. You know, during the back half of February and into March. It, it, it will affect that. You lose that game. We don't talk about the Big 12 title race. We don't talk about any of that on this show rest of the year. It is done. And that's, you know, I'm not going to say it's fine. Because, again, we, we were in position. You know, we were, we were harped on and we were told, hey, buy in, believe, expect to win. But we'll have to move on. We'll have to look at what the new goal is, and that is setting up, hopefully, for a trip to the second weekend in March Madness. So I'll be sitting on pins and needles. I'll, I'll be checking message boards. I'll be checking Twitter. I'll be trying to find out, you know, re, you know, I'm recording this 1246 on Sunday. I'll, I'll be trying to figure out if Lampkin Miles Jr. are going to play. Um, if they're not, folks, they, they are more than capable of uh, beating us. You know, Miller and Baugh, had their way with us in Fort Worth, um, but but it's going to be a massive one that that can that can start sending things back, start bringing the vibes back. Uh, so, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, but that's really all I have. No, this is not a fun episode. Um, if you have made it all the way here, uh, what we'll do is if you tweet in uh, your score prediction for uh, Tuesday night versus TCU. And include a GIF of your choice. Any GIF. If you've made it this far. Uh, tweet at Bosco's Voice. If you get the score correct. We will send you a piece of swag from the Bosco's Boys swag store. 
Um, tomorrow's episode, I'll be talking about my initial reaction to the Big 12 schedule. Um, some of these rumors surrounding the Big 12 when it talks about Texas and Oklahoma sticking around. Um, more smoke around Gonzaga. And my ideas to uh, increase the value or increase the fun, increase the kind of ego projects for Brett Yormark so we don't have to invite Gonzaga to the Big 12 and so we don't move the Big 12 tournament away from Kansas City, something that uh, if you if you hear Brett Yormark speak um, and if you talk to anyone who has uh, been around some of these uh, some of these meetings, it sounds like he wants to take the Big 12 tournament away from Kansas City. So I will have my ideas to set the Big 12 up, uh, give the partners some fun made-for-TV events, and hopefully something that will ease the ego of Brett Yormark so the tournament can stay in Kansas City. That's all we have. Folks, it's always a great day to be a Wildcat, regardless of uh, you know some losing streaks going on right now. Uh, I will give some love to the K-State women's basketball team as, as we end here. Uh, taking down Iowa State in Bramlage Coliseum last Wednesday, uh, taking down the ranked Iowa State Cyclone team. Uh, always fun to beat Iowa State. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's always a great day to be a Wildcat. I hope folks have been able to enjoy some of this more mild winter weather. So for Chauncey, the best dog in the world, we love you guys and go Cats. K-State Wildcats for alma mater fights. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be a fighting, ever fighting for a Wildcat victory. Fight, 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 fight. You K-State Wildcats for alma mater fight, 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 fight.
Social Podcast Network.